I, I still am a kid. And I have been for the last 14 years. I never stopped being a kid. And one thing that I noticed that I can do is this compartmentalizing thing well. Where one minute I can be on this podcast, and the next minute I can be, you know, on the floor playing with Hot Wheels, we're playing a video game or something to that effect, being a kid. Many think I didn't have a childhood, or I didn't focus too much on doing programming and things, and I got pushed to do this, blah, blah, blah. Well, A, I did have a childhood. B, this is this is what I like to do. I've never worked a day in my life. Alright, so hello everyone and welcome to the AI Stories Podcast. I'm Neil Lizer, I'm a data scientist at Iwaka, and I will be your host. So today is kind of a special episode for two reasons. First of all, that's going to be the first episode of 2023. We take a bit of time off for the end of the year, but we're back now with loads of amazing guests lined up. So make sure that you tune in, subscribe to my YouTube channel and leave a five star review. Second reason why this is a special episode or guest today is Mike Wimmer, who is only 14 years old. So to give some background, Mike started coding when he was five and at eight, he already built an education app, which we're going to talk about. He finished school at 12 and he is now 14 and graduated from a bachelor in computer science. He's also the CEO of two startups, Next Era Innovation and Reflect Social. So quite a lot of things already at only 14 years old. Hi, Mike. How is it going? How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm happy to be on the show. Yeah, I'm great. Very, very happy to have you. Quite a special episode. So yeah, really looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. First, first question that I have is just how is life? Like you're 14 years old, you're the CEO of two companies. How is it going? How are you? I'm doing great. You know, honestly, I'm having the time of my life doing all of these different things and all of these. Every day is something new. Every day is a challenge and something different and unique, whether it's, you know, I just finished school and that was every day was something different. And now with my startups as well. So you never know what the day may be focused on at all. If it's a certain project or a you know school or whatever. I wear different hats every day. So it's a uh, it's very But very you don't awesome. get bored. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Great. So I mentioned that you started coding quite early. So you can you tell me a bit more when did you start coding? Why how did this happen? Sure. So I really got into technology with my first iPad at 18 months old. And that's where I really started really liking technology and wanting to learn and understand how it works and why it works and why when I push a button it does this or that. And that's where I started to learn and want to know the how and why of how everything worked. So first I started with coding with the Lego Mindstorms robot because I was always a big Lego person. It was the the first big area where I could bridge the gap between the two. And started coding at five with that and really just liked the fact that it was limitless and liked that feedback of when I learned something, you could see a robot, 
you know, drive down the hallway or not hit an obstacle or something to that effect. I just like that feedback that I get to see it work. So that was kind of where I started to get into coding and technology. And it really grew from there because from then on, I learned Python as my first language, which is still to this day my favorite. That was at around five or six. And then after that, I just kept learning different things. And that's when I bridged into the now robot my uh, that I named Infinite. And that's when I started to really try to build applications and things to help people and do different things like that. So that's where I started up for that. But we'll wait on that for later. So still interested in how this happened. Like you started co- actually coding at five. Like how how does this start? Like when, at which point do you say, okay, I'm going to, take a laptop and start writing code rather than just, I don't know, watching TV, for example. To be honest, it was something that I love to do. And it was, you know, it at five was script coding, to be honest. So drag and drop was before that. And drag and drop, I realized, was limited with its capabilities, of course. But it was very good beginner's part, but it was very limited in its capabilities. So... That's where I, when I started to get into, you know, the Python, that script coding, the, I started to realize how limitless technology was. You know, one day I can learn about AI, the next day I can learn about building a game and it's using the same exact programming language. And to be honest, the bridge between drag and drop and script coding was actually hard and it was challenging because it was so different. And because of that, that's what really drew me to do it is it was a challenge because I wanted to be challenged. I wasn't at the time being challenged in school. So really, I was just hunting challenges, to be honest with you, trying to find the next thing to learn, the next thing to do. That was what drew me to technology and programming in general. So is that what you like in in life, being challenged and solving problems? I love just learning something new and tackling different challenges and specifically hard challenges that I come at things from different perspective than most people do. Obviously, given my age and things, I have a more creative and interesting mind. So with that, I like to basically go through hard problems differently. Because another thing that I've done is I taught myself all of my programming knowledge and everything. So I've never been really specifically taught, this is how you do things, this is what you need to do. Of course, until I got my computer science degree. But that was kind of the whole point was I taught myself. And what one of the things I made sure was is to not lose that difference in creativity when I got my degree was I'm, I'm still going to be different. I'm still going to code my way that may be completely different from the textbook way, but it's my way and it's different. And that's what I like about it. What What do you think makes you different from other people then why why did you start coding at five and one others don't and one did why did you finish school so early and others didn't like what what do you think makes you different you know that's that's a hard question for me to ask um or for me to answer because to be honest i don't know what makes me different because i've only seen myself through my own eyes to be honest So 
I don't know what the the normal person sees or views or anything because I've only seen myself this way. Of course, I was born profoundly gifted, but I can't see myself in a different way. I've never been in any other shoes. I've never been in the shoes of anybody else. And I moved at my pace, my own pace. I wanted to move that fast. That's the pace that I wanted to go. It just it just so happens that it was faster than the normal rate. If I was, if it was my pace was the standard rate, that's the rate I would have went. So that's the kind of, I can't really answer that question because to be honest, I don't know. I, I haven't been able to put myself in someone else's shoes like that. So maybe let me rephrase, like when, when did you realize that you weren't like the others from your age? At When do you start to realize, okay, I might be smarter or more independent or um, when did you realize this? Yeah, I noticed that right when I started actually going to uh, going to school, right around like you know that elementary school range, and that's where I, like every other kid, I compared myself to everyone else and what everyone else was doing, and I noticed I just got things and understood it quicker, and it was very easy for me. I didn't really, I didn't really have to think a whole lot to do it, to be honest. So, and a lot of other students had to do like review, for instance, for, so they would have to keep repetition, if you will. So they'd have to keep learning this topic over and over and over again, just to make sure they got it or practice, if you will. And I really didn't need the practice. And I just got it the first time, didn't have to think about it again. So I noticed that just generally comparing myself, to be honest, I didn't think a whole lot about it. I was an elementary school kid. I didn't think at all. Um, but that's really where I started to notice, hey, I might be a little bit different than everybody else. What did you think about high school then in general? Like, did you still enjoy it? Did you find this boring? What What was your experience with school? In high general? school, yeah, I, I loved going into high school. My classmates were super welcoming and I felt like I was just really just one of them. It was an awesome experience as far as the challenge. It was, I mean, I got through it, of course, but uh, it wasn't very challenging. I just did it. I would say the most challenging thing, I fit in socially, of course, and I had a great time with that, of course. Um, but I would say as far as the actual work goes, it wasn't extremely challenging. It was just something different and unique every day. It was hard, not challenging. I'll put it that way. So did you do anything to remain challenged? Like were you doing, I don't know, extra things or things on the side to keep being challenged every day? Absolutely. I was building, that was when I started both of my companies, started my Next Air Innovations at 7 and then Reflect Social at 11. So that's what I really did on the side was building these companies, trying to learn something new and something about how to build a business, how to build a startup from the ground up, having no knowledge before, no formal training at all to see what I could do. And that was a really fun experience for me, just trial and error, trial, just figuring things out. If it doesn't work, try something else, failure. All of those things, just jumping right in and doing it was a really fun experience to be having on the side as well as doing high school over here. 
and it motivated me to keep learning and keep doing the schooling just so I could, on the side, get home and start working through the companies. Okay, so you actually launched your first company when you were seven. That's correct, yes. Wow, quite quite impressive. So let, let's talk about this one. You're, you're seven and you. how do you decide that you want to launch your company? Do Are your parents helping you in some way or how does this idea even come from? Like... That, that seems very crazy for anyone. Sure. Um, so yeah, how, how does it come from? To be honest, I built the company because I've always wanted, to, I've always had these ideas and always wanted to learn how to build a startup. I've always watched the, the shows like Shark Tank and things. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and have these big ideas. Well, I wanted to learn how to build a business. So there's no better way to do that than to just jump right in and do it. And that's what I wanted to do. And of course, my parents helped me a lot along the way because they legally own the company due to my age, of course. But And there's no better way to learn building a company than just jumping right in and learning from your mistakes. And that's what I wanted to do. And they really helped me foster that and help get an LLC for the company and things like that. Technically, I run it, although they legally own it. But... Still, it, they've always been a big help for me in my life as well. How how do you keep progressing? Because you're the CEO of a company, you know, so many people fail. They need to talk with other CEOs. They need to, I don't know, discuss with people. So how do you keep learning and how do you make sure that your company becomes successful? Do you speak to anyone or do you watch videos or learn online? How does this learning process actually works? A lot of, that's a really good question, actually. A lot of what I learn is on my own through just for trial and error, to be honest. If something doesn't work, you change it and you figure out what the problem is. That's really how I've learned everything. And I do have a very strong network of colleagues that I can at any time call upon and ask, hey, I got to have a question on this. Uh, can I, can I, can you answer me with this or can you help me with this? And I do have an advisor as well who I actually just randomly cold called and walked into his company. And to this day, we still meet every week and just talk about businesses and different things like that. And I feel we are mutually advising each other where he has a question he asks me and I have a question he asks him. It's a mutual experience. And it's really an, it's an awesome thing to have because he's run successful businesses and I can look upon that as well and ask him anything that I need. So it's been an awesome experience to have that. But a lot of what I learned is on my own, really. So you, okay, you both learn on your own, but you also have some people that you can talk to, um, to learn from their experience and yeah, get better. Exactly. So let's focus on your, this first company. Re Reflect, uh, Reflect Social is the second one. So it's Next yes, Era right. Innovation, right? That's right. the first one that you build at seven. What is this company? Um, what are you doing? Yeah, tell me more about this. Absolutely. So when I started, I used it to build robotic applications for the Now Robot. And that was where I started to do the educational application. That was where that whole entire thing jump started was with next era innovations it was really my umbrella it's really my umbrella company that will 
circumpass all of my ideas from now on. So Reflect Social is technically a subsidiary of Nextera Innovations because Nextera Innovations is mine that spins off other companies. Um, to begin with, Nextera Innovations, I did the robotic application. So I sold a lot of different ones of those around the world just for the now robot for different people to have. The robot do different things because out of the box, the robot is like a newborn baby. You have to teach it every little, every little step, every little blinking eye. Everything is not taught to it. So these applications are able to give these robots these different abilities to do different things. And this was where I really wanted to take my Python programming knowledge and put it to the test and see what I could build with this robot to sell to other people to have for theirs. And the first thing that I built was an educational application to help kids learn. And I figured that one of the things that kids have a hard time learning was the U.S. presidents, the past U.S. presidents. So with the robot, I made it in a very fun and memorable way because my robot Infinite, which I named Infinite because there was an infinite amount of things you could do with it, he would impersonate a past president and say some a fact, like, for example, who was on the $500 bill? And the students would have these cards with these QR codes on them with the president. They would hold up to the robot. The robot would scan, and it would say it was either correct or incorrect. And the students were split up in teams, and it basically became into a huge game between this side of the class and this side of the class, and it helped them to learn these different facts about the presidents and who was who and it would keep score and everything and have a winner at the end so that it kept these students engaged in learning on a topic that otherwise they may not be considered fun to learn if you will and that was my first big application with the now robot and since then i've built many other ones been most downloaded app of the year actually hardware development of the year as well for the now robot so a lot uh, surrounding that for a few years with around there. Yeah, that that sounds very very cool. So is it like an app that you're are you selling it to others or was it just for your class? You're selling it around the world and it helps people to learn about US president? Is that correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. It is a it's on the now basically the app store for the now robot. It's available around the world. Anybody with a now robot can download it and immediately use it. And what's this now robot? Is it a robot that they the human, need to have? It is, it is the um, humanoid robot that I have. It's not with me right now, but it's a humanoid robot. Um, and he is made in France, actually. And the, oh, nice. It's very personable robot that they use sometimes in children's hospitals. They've used it in classrooms for autistic children as well. I've done work with that, with the now robot. It's a very interactive platform that gets in particular kids very interested in it because it's not a person it's a robot and it's talking to you and it's it's a very kids feel very comfortable around it for some reason it's actually psychologists have said that they feel extremely comfortable more around it than they do a person because it's not a living being for some reason but mm -hmm. that's where i've taken a lot of my apps to go is to the, the kids range, the educational apps, the autism apps, different things like that. This is where I surrounded my work with the now robot around was that. Okay, I get it. So is it 
tell me if I'm completely wrong, but it's an app which interacts with a, actually a physical robot and you interact. Yes, correct. Yes, yes. With the app, you, you interact with this robot, right? Correct. Okay, okay. Makes sense. And can you do other things than the, your first thing was the US president and learning about this? Did you develop it further and did other games as well? Absolutely. I also built one for the US states as well. Basically, this exact same thing. I've done states, I've done countries. Mm -hmm. The same methodology can be applied to everything, to be honest. One of the biggest things that I did with that is um, autism children. And I was able to teach them life skills. Like, for example, now says the weather is a certain, say, the weather is raining. Here's what clothes should you put on? And it, and it, or it's a certain temperature or it's windy or different examples like that because those kids sometimes have a hard time putting the two together and you would hold up different pairs of clothes like for example a jacket or an umbrella or things like that to help them put connect the two dots together in their mind helping them understand different things like that so this same methodology behind you turning something that can be just taught in the classroom and making it more interactive can be used for a wide range of things What was like the the biggest challenge when trying to build this app? It looks quite complex, um, but yeah, what what do you think was the the biggest challenge when trying to build this? Uh, biggest challenge. That's a good one. Uh, I never asked that before. I think the biggest challenge was coming up with the the factual evidence. To be honest, something that I know is not common knowledge, and something that was completely different that no one else would almost like these fun facts, if you will, random, just out off the wall facts that no one would ever come up with for X, Y, Z president. The program in itself wasn't actually that hard in my opinion. That's just me, but um, the, <laughs> the actual coming up with what to put in it was, that's what I like to do is because I actually learned some stuff myself doing that. And it was rewarding to me just seeing the kids being able to learn from now on, hey, you know, McKinley was on the $500 bill from now on. They'll learn that for the rest of their life just because of that robot. And that those that's the kind of things that I like to think about is how I'm helping people and things like that. Because that's what I want to do, just help people live better lives. Did you make any other projects as part of this company? I guess... Oh, yeah, I guess so. But um, did you do other projects than this robot? And if so, like, can you give like a few quick examples? Absolutely. So with NextAir Innovations is where I do all of my contract work with the military or the United States Special Operations Command. So I, my first contract with them was at age 10. And since then, I have done six contracts. I'm sorry, seven contracts with them since then. So I work on all of their big, hard, a lot of times AI machine learning projects that unfortunately I can't speak about, sorry, but mainly around, the latest have been around natural language translation and processing and extremely hard problems. For example, it's all on the edge. So there's no, no GPS, there's no internet, there's no nothing because the enemy can trace that. So the, the whole point is to completely on the edge no talking to anything else, all fully 
nothing else. So that makes for some very interesting solutions around that. And that's why I, I love working on those problems because they're so different and unique that no one else could give you except them. And it's an extremely awesome experience just working on these very, very hard problems. But with that, those very unique problems comes my out-of-the-box perspective because I've taught myself everything. And to be honest, it served me well with that because it's very different and unique than everybody else is. Is, is this something that you recommend and um, not kind of not fitting the norm, but learning things your own way and not trying to do like everybody else? I, I think it's something that it makes for a more well-roundedness for me because I, I, I taught myself everything. So I taught myself, you know, I'm not, th I'm not, I don't, let me rephrase this. I don't think like everybody else. So because of that, I'm very different. And if everybody else thought different, we may have different solutions and more solutions to different problems. And since my solutions are so unique, if everybody else had unique solutions, we might have more problems solved, If you, to be honest. But I will say this also, learning, teaching yourself is not for everyone. Some people are going to be more tuned to the typical classroom-type setting, and some people don't really handle that, that whole teaching yourself thing well or that that failure if you will because i that's how i learn is failure i fail fast and i fail forward and some people can't i would say use failure to teach themselves other ones want to just be taught in a classroom setting which is totally fine and okay it just depends on what you like to do but teaching yourself is a very awesome and unique experience but for me it's been all really better in my for me be, just because I can have that unique perspective. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point, and I kind of agree with you that yeah, it's it's not for everyone, and some people might prefer. I personally, I really like those structured classes. I did a master sure. in machine learning, and I don't think I would have learned as much on my own because when you start, there is just so much you could know, like machine learning and AI, it's such a broad field. And I would be discouraged if I had to take one, well, I don't know, 10 classes one by one. It will take a long time. I would need to do probably work on the side, right? To, to pay for this or to get money. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed the one year master, like full focus on AI machine learning, only doing that, only learning. And then you get a job or you build your company and you start applying what you learned. But I don't think I could have done it. Um, I mean, probably I could have done it, but I think it was much easier for me to just take a master, follow the classes. Um, but I guess I know many people who like to learn alone, um, on their own. So I guess it's it kind of depends in which camp you sit. Yeah, absolutely. Because like you said, some people, like like yourself, that those structured classes help you learn better. And for me, on the other hand, it's more of find, finding it out myself and failing them helps me learn better. So that's why I say uh, being teaching yourself is not for everyone. It's for some people, but not for all. For all. So yeah, and I I mean I think 
even when you take a class or you're also failing a lot. You've got, you know, you've got homeworks and you, you might get bad grades or you might not succeed an exam or you do projects that you fail. So I think you're also kind of failing in this sense, but I Absolutely. just feels, I just feel it's like easier because you, you have a structure. It's so you're not questioning, Oh, should I take this course or this course or should I read this book or this book? No, you have those. 10 classes, obviously you can choose a few, but it's very structured. And so it just makes, I think the learning process easier. That's why I feel because you don't have the debate of which book should I read or which could, which course should I take? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I always remember is you always remember that the math problem that you got wrong, not the ones that you got right. So because of that, I, that's how I learn is by those failures. Like you said, there is some failures in, in school as well. Exactly. If you get a problem wrong, you're definitely going to know that the next time because you're going to remember, oh, hey, that was what that was supposed to be. So for me, I think failure is really where learning begins, in my opinion. That's where whether you realize it or not, that's where learning really is, is as in failure. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. And are you not afraid of failing then? Do you think maybe because you're young, you feel like it doesn't matter? And so is that because of your age or is it because of your personality? To be honest, I think it's both. First off, I have nothing to lose. I have no bills. I have no home. I have no car. I have nothing to lose. <laughs> A. B, you know, <laughs> I guess it's just my personality. I'll risk it all just to see what I can do. If you fall down, you get back up kind of thing. That's just always been who I was. Just, you know, wade through it and get it done, if you will. It's always just been who I am. And like you said, I guess it's a mixture of both, really. So I want to come back to, you mentioned you were doing those AI projects with the military service. I, well, obviously we're not going to talk about them. I guess there is not much information that you can tell us, but I want to talk about AI in general. When did you start learning about AI and why did you like it so much? What did you find interesting? Let's see. To be honest, I started learning about AI when the computers got fast enough to do it. So that was when <laughs> it really started to to boom and AI started to be this big thing, especially deep deep learning. That was really when I got interested in it because I saw all those those research papers and those articles saying, you know, this is the next big thing. So I want to see what I could do with it. And that's, I, to be honest, I can't pinpoint a certain time because I didn't really think a whole lot about it. I just started learning it. And probably around eight or nine, I would say, is when I started learning about AI and started getting into it. Um, as, as well as AI starting getting in computer vision, OpenCV and computer vision on the, those side of things and getting into using, figuring out, because AI brought me to cameras, and the cameras brought me to computer vision and things like that. So what I've noticed with my, when teaching myself is sometimes I learn a topic that drives me to other topics as well. And like I said right there, that was a good example, AI to computer vision or vice versa. Or let's say, for example, one one really good example that I have in as well relative to school was I was learning programming and I didn't didn't know what a factorial was at that point. So I sat down and learned what a factorial was. 
But then at that, I didn't realize about that point, I was advancing my math knowledge from school while learning programming. So technically my math was going over here as well advancing as well as my programming was. I didn't even notice it at the time. But it's just something like that, that really technology advancing the way it is helps advance everything else in my life, everything else I'm learning. So, so because you were interested in coding, you, this, this has actually many benefits because, well, you learned about coding, which is the direct impact you building, you failed quickly and you learn from those failures, but you also learned about different fields on the site, which were closely or indirectly related to coding, which made, made you progress even further. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when you say, I started learning about AI. You don't really remember when, but how how do you start learning about AI? Because that's such a big field. Like, what's your way to go? Would you watch a video, take a course, start a project directly? How do you? How would you learn about AI? Or how do you learn? Sure. So I watched quite a few online videos first, and just to see what it was about. If I was even going to be interested in it at all. And I think it was the first, uh, the first, uh, first ever thing I did with AI, which I think everyone does. It's hello world. Is that MNIST data set with the the drawing of the uh, the the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was when I, when I realized there was this picture of a hand drawn eight, and it said eight. I thought that was cool to uh, just as a starter. So from there on, I bridged from just image classification to my, actually object detection. And that was where one of my biggest and most famous videos came about was when I detected my Hot Wheels cars. And I held them up to the camera and it would detect the exact model of the car. But the main biggest thing was they were all red. So the AI model was forced to not just learn, hey, if it's a red car, it's a Ferrari. It was forced to learn the shape of the car, the angle of the car, as well as the basically all of the details they could learn as well as I was wearing a red shirt. So I was going to see if it was just a pattern of red. Mm-hmm. They just thought was a, a car because I was going to be wrong. I was going to start back over. And that was just built on one day on my little Apple laptop that I have. And it's just something I built on a Saturday and just posted it up on LinkedIn. And to this day has hundreds of thousands of views. So, and that's what went basically jump started me as far as, you know, LinkedIn, if you will, was that. And I look back on that now and I say, I could improve on this blah, 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 a thousand ways from now looking back on it. But that was just something I did for fun on a Saturday on my little laptop that I didn't think a whole lot about. It was, so it's always been, I always look back to that moment as one of my biggest things that I'd ever did as far as publicity was that moment. And I, again, I look back on it now and say, Man, why didn't you do this, 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 and this? But that's what that's what shows me that I've learned since then. I've learned all of those things since then. This that that very first start, and it's that persistence in just learning and keep learning from that. Yeah, I think I I actually watched this video and I even posted something on LinkedIn about about this video because I was yes. quite impressed. Um. Out of interest, uh, which training data did you use? So for those who don't know, you're basically 
it's a video where you're showing a few cars, like miniature. Yeah. They are like this size, something yeah, like, like that. Um, um, so it, toys. Yes, there's a uh, a pullback. Basically, you pull it back and it goes. That's the kind of size I use. So it's about this big uh, of cars. And I created my own data set, my own model structure. Based, it was all from scratch, basically. So it was all just built from scratch. Built all the data set. I just did it to see what I could do, see if it would work. To be honest, and see what see what I could get out of it. How did you create this data set? Did you take pictures of yes. your your cars, or did you yeah. f- find it online? Yeah, I took I took pictures many 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 pictures of all of the cars and different lighting and different sets on my probably really bad webcam feed and just to see what i could i mean i wasn't expecting it to work to be honest and i thought i thought it was cool that it worked just to see i just took some bunch of random pictures of some cars and drew boxes around them built this model and it was able to detect them that was cool i didn't think a whole lot about it Cool. So you, let's go back to your life. You basically, you start coding at five. You, at seven, you build your first company, Next Era Innovation. At eight, you do this robot project, this app that we talked about. Uh, you also start learning about AI and deep learning and computer vision. And at 11, so just before you finish school, because you finished school at 12, you build this second company called Reflect Social. So let's talk about this this second company. Like, what is it again? What is it doing? Um, yeah, tell me more about this. Absolutely. To be honest, Reflect Social started as a science fair project in December of, what would that be, 2019, I believe. So that's where it jump-started, was a science fair project, not to- totally honest. Um, because it began with, my mom had having spinal surgery a few months prior. So she, she couldn't get off a couch or out of a bed easy if someone came to the door and checked on her. And we had this ring doorbell and a smart door lock that would you could unlock from your phone. And I thought, immediately thought, well, mom, we, why, you shouldn't have to get up, to, you know, when dad and I are not home to when someone checks on you. What if I just build the system? So what I built was a facial recognition algorithm for the five most common people that would come in and check on her while dad and I weren't home. And it would recognize their face and un- automatically unlock the door. However, if there was a face detected that wasn't known, so we really d- don't know who it is at that point, it would make sure the door was locked and then send dad and I a text and say, hey, this person's at the door. Do we need to unlock the door just in case it was in the data set? And... From that point on, I saw that there was a a lack of standardization between, I would say, you know, this doorbell and this door lock and this IoT device and this because they're all in their little separate ecosystems and worlds, and they don't talk to each other at all. And that's where I also saw if we can just have these devices talk to each other we can start helping people with these devices because they just need to talk to each other. Obviously, that's a very specific example. I'm sure there's many others out there where you're just using some IoT devices that are already built, already made, need no modification that can actually help people in their lives. And that's where I started Reflect Social and the, the operating system behind it, which is called Horizon OS. That's where I began to build this huge 
I call it basically mesh of a translator, if you will, between all of these different devices. So I, if, let's just take an example, if Ring speaks French, but Google speaks Japanese, I have to translate the languages, if you will. That's just a really easy example between the two. And those are the kind of things that I do with Horizon OS behind Reflect Social is be that translator behind them. Now, since that point, Reflect Social has really changed and morphed into a overall being able to integrate these devices together as, as well as bringing a fun factor into it. Because another thing that I noticed over the time of building it was that there are several, all these IoT devices in cool lights, there's nothing really interactive about them. They should be cool and interactive and bring this younger generation in there, but they're not at this point. So what I did was I'm also integrating a fun factor into it. So to get the younger generation interested in technology, interested in IoT, what these lights are a really cool example because they're lights. They change colors. They do all these cool things from your phone, but they're not, they need to be more interactive. And that's what I'm building with it. And I have delayed the launch of Reflect Social several times. And the main reason behind that is to ensure that it's easy for everyone to use. And I will, you know, look at Reflect Social and build, because I'm always the one, I'm, I wear all the hats with Reflect Social. I'm the CEO, I'm the marketing guy, I'm the pitch deck guy, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the software developer, engineer, I'm everything. Oh, the, can't forget, I'm the, uh, the manager as well for all of the different systems that I have and the databases and everything is, is me. So when I'm, you know, knee deep in building Reflect Social, I step back and I think, I can make this easier to use by X, Y, Z, and I go back and do that because I want to make sure that it's something that everyone can use, anybody can use it, anybody can do anything with it, and that's my main focus is. So that's kind of where I'm looking at right now. So for example, you can build ta what I call tasks in Reflect Social, where you can for example, if someone rings your doorbell, it will turn this light on, is just a perfect example. And how it does that is a drag and drop interface. So you would literally drag over your ring doorbell, drag over your light, click on the light, add some, you know, turn it red or a certain color or something, and hit run. And that is all you have to do, is just drag and drop interface that, if anybody has used an iPhone in the last 10 years, is very familiar. And with that in mind, that's what I came up with as the most easiest way for it to do anything. And I've used Reflexos, to be honest, for random things around the house. For example, we have this outside outdoor lighting that is set on an, um, an old timer system, where if the power goes out, the timer is completely off and the lights do not come on at the right time at all. Or if the time changes, or for example, like sunrise and sunset, you have to change it completely again. So what I've done is take those outdoor lights and use them with a smart plug and then take Reflect Social to use, turn them on and off based on the time of sunrise and sunset. So if, you know, the sunrise is at 545, it's going to turn on at, say, 515. Or if the it's same thing for sunset, basically that way it's always working all the time. And that's just one random example of something that I've used from around the house to just automate. Another example is our fountain. 
where if the if the wind blows and the water blows out of the fountain, there's a pump and then it'll burn up and it's like a five hundred dollar pump. Well, if just checking the the wind speed, if the wind is above say five miles an hour, it will cut off the smart plug for the pump and then it'll keep checking until it's back on. It'll turn it back on. It's just really simple home automation that's with connecting it with other services like wind speeds and random things like that that will just help automate people's lives. Now, those are totally random examples, but mm-hmm. it just it helps to understand how connecting these devices and services together can help make people's lives easier and better. Yeah, that no, that's actually super cool. So is it is the main part of your company the software that's that enables to yes. connect the devices with how do you connect this software with a device? Do you need does this device has to be an IoT or has to have some kind of special special thing in it? Or is it really any device like my lamp that just here can I connect it with with your software? Uh, it needs to be an IoT device for me to connect to it. It's the, it's the only uh, limitation. So uh, it is Reflect Social will be a software as a service. So much like your Netflix or your Disney Plus or any form of subscription mm-hmm. like that, you just pay a monthly fee for it and get all these benefits from it. So I would need, for example, your lamp right like that. You would either need to be the lamp plugged into what they call a smart plug. You can turn on or off. Or the actual bulb inside the lamp would need to be an IoT. And if okay. either you get either of those, it will work. Yeah, I'm not very familiar with IoT objects, but is it very easy to to get one online? Yeah. Or? Oh yeah, you can just go to I would say Amazon and buy pick up a smart plug. Is what I usually use just for random stuff. Just a smart plug. You plug into a receptacle. You plug in um, your lamp, and then it would work. And for example, IoT lights. These two blue lights behind me here are actually IoT lights. So, for example... So, right now, I'm actually... Um, I won't share my screen because I haven't revealed all of this yet. However, I will... Uh, uh, basically, I just started with a complete blank account with Reflect Social just to show you how fast and easy this is to set up. And, all right, there's the devices. So, I just... Complete blank account. And... It's all right. I just I was already to make an account, add the these are actually mm-hmm. Philips Hue lights, add the lights and change one of them's color just like that. And that was just that's just one easy example of what Reflect can really do. Okay, so it's a tool that can connect with IoT devices and basically help them interact with each other and also help them interact with the software to to make them better and also interactive and fun. Exactly, exactly. Okay, but you haven't released it yet. Yes, I have not released released Reflect Social yet. I'm still, I'm basically, I'm in in the final stretch, if you will, the final run through of everything, but I'm I'm a perfectionist, to be honest. So every Mm -hmm. little tweak I can make, I'm going to make it before I launch it. And so that way, just it's all good to go and it will launch here soon. And hopefully it will be a fun and interesting thing for people to try out. Have you ever thought about raising money and hiring people? Because you're doing every, as you mentioned, you're the CEO, you're the marketing guy, you're the software engineer. 
Have you ever thought about this or is it something that you might do later, um, something that you don't want to do at the moment? Sure. As far as Reflect Social goes, I have raised a $25,000 seed round is my first thing. And at this point, I'm not asking for any investors or money because at this point, the only reason that $25,000 was for is for general subscriptions, for example, like your Photoshop, your uh I would say cloud services type thing. That is the only thing that was for. And because I've done everything else, I don't want to dilute any equity as far as I can because it's still in startup stages. So as far as money goes, I haven't yet. As far as hiring goes, it's going to be hard for me to let go, to be honest, if you will. I've always had the reins, mm -hmm. but um, at some point I probably will. I'm just not sure as to when yet. I will hand it over as far as you know the software development things or the marketing things or whatnot. And I'll just be the, the, the ideas guy. It's, it's, it's my baby. So I can't really let it go. Right. But it's going to be hard, but yes, I will in the future be hiring at this point. I will release it and see the next big thing. Um, see how it goes, if you will. Cause I just want to see, I, I want to see it go a little bit more. And I got another big project down the line i can't speak a whole lot about yet thanks to some ndas and stuff but i got another big project coming down the line that i'll want to spend some time on as well so i will probably you know i'll probably be hiring soon not sure when but soon cool cool many many projects going on oh I, yes i see you're not getting bored no always something new every day something new every day and now that i'm done with school i can have all the free time in the world now right And I love this variety of different things. It's just something different and new and unique every day. And you would be amazed as to how many project requests that I get every day from random people. I'll say, hey, I have this idea of something. I really don't know how to do it, but I've always wanted to see it done. Can you help me with this? And it's really awesome just to see that and see all these people wanting me. And I'm kind of honored to see they wanting me to, to work on it. It's very... It's very awesome to see if I can work on it or have the time to work on it, what I can come up with. It's very, very satisfying, to be honest. So I got a lot of some of those projects from those coming down the line. I can't, obviously, I can't do them all. I can't. I have to, to be honest, I have to pick and choose as to the ones that I feel I can benefit the most from and will impact the world the most. And I, if I can feel I can change the world with that project, then I will certainly do it. So I got I got some of those coming down the line now. Is this something that you find difficult to choose and to say no to many projects? Is, do you find this difficult? I, I, to be honest, absolutely. You know, I, I've always I, I wish I could do them all. I obviously do, but I understand that I obviously can't. I had I do not have the unlimited time to work on twenty different projects. Although I wish I could. So I have a good feel knowing that if I if I have a specific project that you know I've either been reached out from or have an idea about that I feel like impact the most people or improve the world the most, that's the one I'm going to choose first and foremost. First and foremost is that one over any of the others, just because that's what I want to do is build technology to help people live better lives. And so any way I can do that. And the most way I can do that, that's what I'm going to do. But I, 
I have thousands of ideas in my head that I still have not even touched that I can later when I don't have any you know, ideas floating around, go back to those and start over again because I really want to make myself as I look up to Elon Musk a lot as a because of his unique idea way of thinking. So I value Reflect Social and Next Air Innovations as my PayPal. And I want to make the next te- my Tesla and SpaceX and Boring Company and Neuralink and all these others are down the line where once I sell these other two companies, I can work on those other ideas. So that's my that's my goal is to make Reflect and Next Era my PayPal, if you will, for down the line. Is your goal to to become like Elon? Yeah, I mean I Elon is somebody who has a lot of a lot of ideas. I would say less from a money standpoint and more from a ideas and companies and you know opportunity standpoint, yes, absolutely. Try and impact the world the most way I can and the most when you know, when I get to be able to sell a company, I want to be able to already know, okay, once I have sold one of my two, I already know how to build a business, how to raise money, how to hire people, all these things, important things I need to know. I just apply it again and again and again and again and again for the next ideas. And that's what I really what I want to do is I don't know if I'm ever going to stop, to be honest, just because I always have these different unique ideas that I have. So it's just keep going on the next idea. And technology is always going to be advancing. So there's always going to be something new 10 years down the road than there is going to be today. And when I get to that point, there'll be, I'm sure, more ideas that I can use then. What do you think is going to be, in which sector or which area do you think is going to be the next Google, Tesla, Facebook? Where where do you think this is going to be, if you had to guess? Hmm. I would say a lot of things I think right now is going to be taking things that are required to have coding that only a developer can do. For example, like my IoT project is something that only developers are able to do X, Y, Z, and taking them and bringing them to the market as a codeless interfaces. So basically building interfaces for things that developers used to be able to do. Another thing that I think is going to be big is home robotics. Obviously, that's a very broad topic, but at this point where we have a few things, if you will, you know, your iRobots, your your other iRobots, that's about the extent of what we have at this point. And I believe that in the future, what we have now is IoT devices will become robots. So these two fields are really what seem to be drastically different to me are the same. Where Reflect Social is communicating with a ring doorbell, Reflect Social will do the same thing with a robot that will cook your food, that will, a robot that will do your dishes. XYZ that will be these assistive around the house robots that will all be their own version of IoT devices. And then there's the AI within that, and there is AI, you know, there's many mm-hmm. different areas within this. Um, and I think one of the biggest struggles right now and why we don't have it right now is the the struggle of the word AI into people's homes. People are already scared about that and the acceptance. I think, you know, the Terminator did not help with that, to be honest, if you will. And they see Mm -hmm. all these 
to be honest, I see all these publications and things about, oh, AI is going to take over the world and things. Not the AI that's going to go into your little robot that uses image classification to detect a plate to, to do your dishes. I mean, there's there's things like that that people... The, the buzzword has been used a lot, and I believe there's a miscommunication with it that needs to be addressed for that. And that's something that's going to be the hardest in the next, I would say, 10 to 15 years is getting people used to the word AI not as a Terminator, as the, you know, AI that can help you do things. And my generation, I believe, is going to help with that because they're used to technology. I was born in 2008. The iPhone came out in 2007. Mm -hmm. So I've never lived a day in my life without there being an iPhone. And I have an iPhone, obviously. I always have. So there's this always, my generation is always going to live with technology. So I believe that's going to help with this acceptance of things. So it's interesting your view on AI and you're already, well, we're pretty much the same generation, but you're still, yeah, still 10 years younger than me. You, do you, so you see AI as a tool to help humans and not as something that will take over humans. You mentioned this simple example of taking plates or things like that. Is that how you see AI in the future? Like humans will still make the big decisions, but AI will help to do all those little annoying tasks. Is that your vision? Yes, I believe the AI and and robotics is kind of tied in with it. will help do those, what I would call those repetitive, boring tasks, if you will. And the another thing is the dangerous tasks is another very important that humans don't want to do or don't need shouldn't do if mm-hmm. you will that those are the kind of things where i see that those repetitive work or those boring repetitive tasks will dangerous tasks are the two main things that you know people still need to do and one example one perfect example is that um I'm a big car car guy. I'm a car buff. I mean, you can tell I got a, a Corvette right there. And I recently mm-hmm. did a, a tour of the Corvette plant in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And I noticed there's still a lot of repetitive tasks, obviously. that's It's an assembly plant. It's, that's obvious. But there's always still a technician there, right? There's a robot. They have GM has its entire system for their paint booth, where it's an entire robotic. No human at all is involved in the paint booth, right? But there's still a technician standing there watching it, being able to make sure that it's done correctly and make sure that it's a blue car. It's to make sure it's blue and make sure it's correctly, but not breathing in the harmful air that the paint booth can create. And that's something that I really mm-hmm. took to was, hey, you got these robots over here painting. Oh, they took it. People are going to say, oh, well, they took that man's job. No, they didn't. That man is actually saved. Just because of he's not breathing in that harmful air, he's being able to be more quality control, if you will, over the robot than a, you know, he he will have, he or she will have a much better life after that because they're not going to breathe the harmful air. And it's things like that that I took to was like, that's something, that's the kind of things that I want to do is build something that will help people, for example, that, you know, the paint man does not have to be in the booth the painter does not have to be in the booth but he can you know still watch over it and be the quality control over it and that's the exact example that i think would be for the future of ai and robotics i think we're a long way from i would say the full autonomy part the full 
having feelings, having things like that. And if we was to ever get to that point, I believe that there should be a what I would call a World Health Organization or FDA, if you will, of robotics and AI. So every, anytime you get a medication or something has an FDA stamp on it, there should be a FDA stamp on a, a certification for a robot or AI system that will, hey, this is this has been approved by the government. No nefarious activity will be done with this, X, Y, Z. And that way we can have that form of approval and satisfaction. That Now, would there be anything done different? No, but it's a good, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good marketing, to be honest. I'm a, I'm a CEO. It's a, good, it's a good marketing idea is having this stamp of approval of, hey, this has been certified kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's still difficult to draw the line between what should be certified, what shouldn't. And um, I still think, so I fully agree with you that AI as a tool to augment humans is like a great thing. And that's how I see AI. I see AI as a tool to really augment humans and help us be the best version of ourselves and help us focus on the interesting thing, the things where we can really add value I still think there could also be a danger because those algorithms become more and more complex. We understand them less and less. And at some point it could become dangerous. We've seen this with, you know, GANs or generative networks, which have some biases in them. It's either through the data, through the training data or through the model. Um, but I still think there, there can be a danger if we don't fully understand those models and yeah i'm not sure how to solve this but that's something i love ai and i really think it can be really useful but we also need to kind of take care because there are also a few things that can go can go wrong and and i would say a lot of people view ai as this black box if you will there's you know you train a model it becomes a black box you put something in it and you get something out of it what we have to do as you know engineers and as you know, AI developers is make that box clear. We need to see what's in the box at all times, all everything within it. If we know everything within it, we're fine. If we continue to know everything within the black boxes, we are good and fine. And we need to make sure that, you know, even as AI advances, great, you have this awesome, you know, model, GAN model, but you have no idea what's in that box. We need to make sure you know what's in that box before you even publish that thing. That's just an example that I have is mm-hmm. making that box where transparent as possible, where you know what's in it, you know what it's going to be like, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, great point. I really agree with that. So let's let's focus the last part of the episode on your career overall. I know you're only 14 years old, so that's, yeah, you've still got a long, long career to go, but you've already accomplished quite a lot. So you. If you had to look back, what's, what do you think about your childhood? Did you enjoy it? Did you maybe, well, had too much stress or spend too long coding or regret a few things? What do you think about your childhood? To be honest, I had a blast and I had the time of my life. To, and really, I have no regrets. I have no anything because I, I am still a 14-year-old kid. I still do have... You know, my, my endless wall of Legos over here with 
I'm still, I mean, I am still a kid. I still have my huge collection of Hot Wheels. I still have video games. I, I still am a kid. And I have been for the last 14 years. I never stopped being a kid. And one thing that I noticed that I can do is this compartmentalizing thing well. Where one minute I can be on this podcast, and the next minute I can be, you know, on the floor playing with Hot Wheels. We're playing a video game or something to that effect, being a kid. And it's just that complete shut off of shutting everything down, shutting school off, shutting everything else off. There's just many little compartments in my brain, if you will. I don't even notice it myself. I just kind of notice it over time. And many... To be honest, many think I didn't have a childhood or I focused too much on doing programming and things and I got pushed to do this, blah, blah, blah. Well, A, I did have a childhood. B, this is this is what I like to do. I've never worked a day in my life. I've never thought that programming or coding or anything that I did was work or activity that I didn't want to be doing. It was something that I wanted to be doing and that's why I'm not monetarily driven. I don't think, oh, if I get the bottom line, I'm good. That's not what I'm focused on at all. I enjoy everything that I'm doing. I enjoy what I'm doing. And if I didn't, I would change it. So that's what people, a lot of people don't realize is that I enjoy everything that I'm doing. I'm not working some job that I don't like. I'm just doing it for the bottom line. I, that's not me. I'm doing it because I like it. And to be honest, I think people say I don't have a childhood. I think I was more of a kid than the average kid because I studied less because I got it the first time. So it gave <laughs> me more time to be a kid. And it was it was those things like that. I, I absolutely had a childhood. I mean, I'm 14. I still am. Regardless of anything else, regardless of school, regardless of companies, regardless of anything else, kid, I'm, I'm 14. That comes first. So, so in your head, you're still a kid. You're absolutely well. You're a CEO. You're coding. You're working with the military. But on top of this, well, if you had to put something first, you would be you will define yourself as still a kid. Absolutely, that's that's first and foremost in my mind. I mean, I most most people think that I didn't have a life, or most people think I didn't. I wasn't. I was never a kid. I just studied all the time and. To me, you only get one childhood. You only get one chance at life. So just you got to live it to the fullest extent. And I feel that's what I have done over the last 14 years is have a blast, have a great time, do exactly what I've wanted to do. What I had a passion for was technology. And that's what I've drawn toward at this point. And my parents have really helped me foster that and helped, you know, they didn't say, oh, you're going to be a CEO. They didn't do that. They said, basically, Whatever I wanted to do, I could do it and help me get access to things that I needed. And that was something that I think helped me was I didn't get pushed to a direction that I didn't want to be in. I really didn't want to do. I just did it. That's not where I was. I I didn't get pushed to go through school either. I just moved the pace I wanted to and it just so happened that I got done so fast. And I explore, was able to explore a lot of different things and see a lot of different things and just settle on technology is one of the biggest you know, I explored a lot, but this is what I wanted to always to do. I always came back to it. So, I, I mean, like I said, I'm 14 comes first and I always will. 
Well, glad to hear that you had a blast and I'm sure you'll continue to enjoy your life Absolutely. in the next coming years. So let's finish the episode with just one advice. If you had one advice for someone to progress in their career, what would it be? Just one advice. I think that main advice would be to follow your dreams and whatever you love. If you are not liking going to your job, if you're kind of just kind of, oh, I got to go to work type thing, change what you're doing. Change it. It doesn't matter about the bottom line. Just put money way far down on the list. Just find, do what you love, regardless of what that is. You know, if you are a doctor, but you really want to be a, I don't know, but you really want to be an artist, for example, it's just totally random example, then change mm -hmm. what you're doing. Don't really stick where you are just because of the bottom line. Change what you're doing and make sure you're following your dreams of what you want to do because you only get one shot at life and that's what you need to do is use it to the fullest extent. And one thing I will say as far as parents go fostering their, their kids is don't push them into a career. Don't say you are going to be a doctor. You're going to be a lawyer. You don't, you're going to do good at school. Don't do that. Let them go to wherever they want to go. And if that's where they want to go, whether it's the arts or it's music or it's sports or whether it's anything academic at all, just help them get to where they are. Because if they love what they're doing, they're going to be the best at it that they can be. And that's what something that a lot of people don't really understand is if they don't love what they're doing, they're not going to be their fullest potential or their fullest extent, but they should be. If they love what they're doing, they will be. So that's kind of, I'm, that's what I like to do with technology. That's where I am at right now is I love what I'm doing. This is what I love to do. And this is where I want to be for the rest of my life. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. It was amazing to have you on this show. I really, well, enjoyed and learned so much. So yeah, I wish you all the best with everything. Thank I'm you. sure you will accomplish some, some great things. And yeah, let's, let's stay in touch, you know, let's keep in Absolutely. touch and have a great day. Um, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year and Christmas hope to, day. hope to see. Yeah, hope to see your next company. Hope to see you become the next Elon Musk then. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity to be on here and thank you for the listeners as well. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.